Let me ask you this. Cultural Marxism, is it fact or fiction? Now, this is an issue that is dear to my heart, so buckle in, because you're in for a ride. The term cultural Marxism is a popular buzzword in modern political discourse, almost exclusively on the right or within more conservative circles. It carries a negative connotation and is used to characterize the opposition as radical and progressive. As someone who wishes to change the status quo for the worse and move the country in a direction of communism, or at least socialism. But is this characterization accurate? Let's consult the paragon of wisdom and historical accuracy, knowyourmeme.com. And I quote, The term cultural Marxism is believed to have been coined by American sociology professor Trent Schroyer in his 1973 work, The Critique of Domination, The Origins and Development of Critical Theory, in which the author identifies the Frankfurt School's critical theory a school of thought focusing on reflective assessment and cultural critique through application of social sciences, as the origin of a culture industry, he calls it, that imposes socially unnecessary constraints of human freedom and ultimately the social domination of the individual. The article continues, In the following decade, Schroyer's critique of the Frankfurt School as the origin of post-war liberal agendas and destruction of individualism was further expounded upon by other mainstream academics, most notably, Richard Wiener's Cultural Marxism and Political Sociology from 1981, and Michael Minesino's New Dark Age, Frankfurt School and Political Correctness from 1992. So academics have been writing about this for a while. But is this idea really based on the philosophy of Marx and Engels as detailed in the manifesto? Short answer, yeah. Here's why. Marx argued that the bourgeoisie must be overthrown by the proletariat and a more equal society must be established. In order to accomplish this, the Manifesto advocates for the abolishment of the nuclear family, the restructuring of education, the elimination of individualism in all forms, the elimination of private property, and maybe most importantly, the elimination of religion altogether. In short, if you want to drastically change the political and economic landscape, you have to change the culture first, as culture is the foundation which determines the political and economic systems of all groups. An example of European Christian culture, which lends itself to democracy and republicanism and freer markets found in Europe, America, and Canada, whereas Arab and Islamic culture throughout the Middle East lends itself to theocracy, smaller, more controlled markets, and general instability. That's That's a point of debate, but it can be safe for another time. We could talk about Saudi Arabia and and all the oil money. I think that's an outlier. I think in general... In the modern sense, I think you're right. But like going back, I think the roles might be reversed. Perhaps. And there are some historical examples of cultural Marxism at work. In Russia, the Bolsheviks were hell-bent on removing Christianity from the Soviet Union. And why? Because religion could lead them to hate the revolution and favor a return to monarchy, and it would distract them from fully embracing the new order. And in China, free speech, free press, and peaceful protests were squashed. Remember Tiananmen Square? Pepperidge Farm remembers, but the Chinese don't. They weren't allowed to remember and still aren't to this day. Public spaces were filled with statues and pictures of Mao to make the culture revolve around the dear leader and nothing else. Wherever and whenever communism has spread, cultural changes have preceded it. Now, the fact that the Western world is going through major changes is pretty indisputable. Violence in the streets, racial division, Pride Month, Occupy Wall Street, safe spaces, anti-white propaganda, media censorship, identity politics. We see it on the news. We can read about it. As Ron Paul once said, it's happening. 
But here's where we have to distinguish between a cooperative effort and an independent effort. If cultural Marxism is a cooperative effort, that means there are people, groups, corporations, and political entities actively working together to change the culture. They have the same goal, full-blown communism, and they are communicating with each other, working in unison to accomplish that goal. If cultural Marxism is an independent effort, that means that these same people, groups, corporations, and political entities are working towards similar, but not identical goals, short-term or long-term, local or national or international, varying degrees of collectivism, etc., and are working independently to accomplish them. Those who call cultural Marxism a conspiracy theory, which is a lot of people in the mainstream media, tend to frame it as a vast cooperative effort, as if those who believe that cultural Marxism is real believe that the lowliest Antifa thug and the richest big tech CEO are all working together, like Spectre from James Bond, to reestablish the Soviet Union. This is probably not what most people believe, and not an accurate picture of what's really happening. If cultural Marxism is happening, it has a few different levels. 1. The aforementioned Antifa thugs and Reddit page moderators who support communism and progressive talking points because they're bums with no prospects who want a stimmy check every month. Then, in the tier above them is the middle-class bleeding-heart liberals who vote for progressive candidates and policies. They support BLM, they're okay with drag queen story hour, LGBT causes, open borders, environmentalism, etc. And they believe the government should do more to promote these things. Above that, you have influential business owners, local political leaders, community leaders and organizers, activists, and journalists. Same, same progressive politics, but they have a larger voice. They sway those below them toward these causes. And fourth, you have state and federal political leaders and big business. They support progressive policies to appease the loudest and most, most disruptive among us, which is progressives, obviously. They're mostly in it for power and money. And fifth, on top... You have big tech and the ultra-wealthy like Soros and Zuckerberg types. They want to shape the world in their own image. If you don't believe me on that, Zuckerberg, yeah, I think you even told me this, uh, makes his hair cut look like Augustus because he believes that he is like some sort of God King guy. I mean, he believes that he's creating the metaverse. He can't can't really quite take over the world. Yeah, so he's, he's making so, his own world to be Because king he's of. so unlikable. Well, exactly. You're right. <laughs> The bottom three groups are mostly working independently. They wish to change the culture for various reasons, to get free college maybe, or free rent, or money for them programs. That's minorities, Antifa, the poor. They belong to that group. Or they're trying to soothe their rich, white guilt and help the poor, disadvantaged uh, people. That's the middle class who's thinking like that. Or they're trying to satisfy their savior complex or get ahead in their careers. That's the journos or the pastor shepherd types. That's an obscure reference I won't get into, but you know the type. The top two groups are probably working together in some capacity or another. The higher you go, the more corruption you'll find. Since communism, Marxism, results in the centralization of power, it only makes sense that the richest and most powerful among us would promote cultural Marxism in order to change that political landscape to suit their needs, placing them at the top of a new hierarchy. For the most part, things like taking Christ out of schools, promoting LGBTQ plus causes, advocating for abortion, local mask mandates, critical race theory, and feminism have been the result of independent efforts. We will, we will admit there was no single person or evil organization that orchestrated all of these progressive policies. But if you don't think that there are people 
in high places that stand to gain a ton of money and power from these cultural shifts. You're fooling yourself. Thanks for listening to the Sons of Antiquity Highlight Reel. To hear this clip in context and to enjoy our full-length episodes, check out the links in the description or search Sons of Antiquity on YouTube, BitChute, Spotify, or Apple and Google Podcasts.